gets a block, cuts it back, 40, 45, 50, he's off to the races, down the left sideline, to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Aaron Jones, oh, what a play! This is the Quick Slants Podcast. Game on Wisconsin and the Quick Slants podcast are brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Quick Slants podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. You can, of course, Find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. We're at the end of almost another week. The bye week is almost over. This precious week off that the Green Bay Packers earned by the virtue of their being the number one seed in the NFC is closely coming to an end. There will be wildcard games played this weekend. The Packers were on the practice field this week already. Not in pads, but out there staying fresh, staying up current on everything it is that they do and much different atmosphere. It's just a different atmosphere, different vibe to what is this year's playoff run versus what we saw last year. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and talk about some of the Packers news of the week. But as promised on Monday's show, we are going to have another edition of a conversation with former Green Bay Packers guard and pro NFL Pro Bowl guard Mike Wall, who joined me again to talk about exactly that, the Green Bay Packers, getting some guys back, getting David Bakhtiari back on the field, Josh Myers back on the field, Billy Turner activated back to the Green Bay Packers this week. What does it all mean? What could it all all turn into? Last year, it was kind of the opposite. The Packers were pretty healthy. They had a pretty healthy season, but they lost a really big guy in David Bakhtiari, pun intended, huge guy. But it was a big reason why the Packers had struggles in the conference championship game. And this year, whether it was on purpose or it just worked out that way, a lot of these guys were kind of put on ice. David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith is is back in the fold. Randall Cobb is making his way back. Now all these guys are actually getting ready to rejoin the team instead of not being with the team. So unfortunately, no Robert Tunyon and no Elton Jenkins, no Whitney Merciless. Um, so that's tough. You know, not having some of those guys is, is tough too, but the Packers seem to be getting healthy and they seem to understand they want to stay fresh. They had some starters play on Sunday against the Lions. And this is just a totally different different vibe. And I don't think that it's any coincidence that you're listening to Quick Slants today, Thursday, January 13th. One month from today is Super Bowl LVI at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The Packers have one month exactly to pursue their dream of, and our dream, frankly, as fans, of being the next Super Bowl champions, and they've got a really good chance to do it. In fact, Vegas thinks they've got the best odds to win the Super Bowl, they being the Green Bay Packers. So before we get to the conversation with Mike Wall, and I had an absolute blast talking with him and just the great stuff that he does, want to talk a little bit about some Packers news. As expected, Black Monday came earlier this week, and there were some coaching changes. The two teams in the NFC North were affected, impacted by it. But two teams 
that fired both their head coach and general manager. The Minnesota Vikings let go of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. The Chicago Bears let go of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. And both teams will be looking for new head coaches and new general managers. And as is often the case, you when you're looking to fill spots like that, you look around the league and you look for successful teams and coaches who are up and coming and that may have an opportunity to install and be a big part of your culture. And maybe they can make it work for you like they did in their former in their former city. So offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, Nathaniel Hackett, we know he's going to talk with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know that he's going to have some interviews, going to have some conversations with teams who want to want to talk with him. Luke Getze, quarterback coach. Uh, he's also getting some interest around the league for interviews. There will probably be some more that will happen as well. Uh, I, I'm not ex- surprised. I think Nathaniel Hackett interviewed last season as well, and he's a hot name. And I think eventually it's it's inevitable that these guys are going to get their opportunity. They're going to move on. They're going to go do something else. The Packers are going to have to replace them. And that's kind of one of the, the things about being a successful team is other organizations want to hire away your good people. And the Packers, I think, are, are supportive of that. I know in previous regimes, some coaches, assistant coaches, weren't allowed to interview in certain circumstances. And Matt LaFleur was asked about that this week. And he gave a very different answer and said, I don't really think you want to have a culture of holding guys back and making them feel like they're stuck here. Not that there's a, a you know there are worse places that you could be stuck than coaching the Green Bay Packers, one of the most iconic franchises in all of pro sports. But you want guys to have opportunities. And, and, if, and if you're working somewhere and you know that you don't have an opportunity to go somewhere else, you don't have an opportunity to, to do something because your current team or your current organization is being selfish, then things are things are going to suffer a little bit. And I've actually had that very same conversation in my own professional career recently with some leadership of the company that I work for as well and talking about opportunities and how it's important to take care of your best people and give them the room to grow because the big picture is you want to keep them with your organization, right? And obviously that's the Packers can't do that because they're, they're not going to um, by letting them flourish and grow, they're not going to stay with the Packers. They're actually going to go and work somewhere else. But I think we're, ta- we're talking about the NFL as a whole there. And you want guys to, to be able to pursue their dreams. And Matt LaFleur said himself three years ago, uh, two years ago, this was kind of where, where he was sitting. Um, it, was, it was three years ago. Gosh, time flies. Time just absolutely flies. Um, <laughs> it is, it's, it's just insane how fast and quickly I feel like I'm doing these Thursday shows, the Quick Slides podcast, and doing another game recap. And the whole 2021 season seemed like a blur. Matt LaFleur was in that very seat. And he didn't want the Tennessee Titans telling him he couldn't go talk to the Green Bay Packers. If that had happened, who knows where the Packers are sitting right now. Where they are sitting is with Matt LaFleur as their head coach for a third season. They won 13 games for the third straight time. They're hosting the NFC Championship game for the second straight time. And Matt LaFleur has won more games in his first three seasons as a head coach than any other coach. So I'd say things worked out pretty well there. So I want to wish the best to... All of the coaches with the Packers that get more interest. Adam Stenovich, offensive line coach, may get may get some interest as well. If the Packers make a deep run into the playoffs, if there's teams that haven't made their hires yet and the Packers win the Super Bowl, you can absolutely be assured that teams will be knocking on the door trying to interview the Super Bowl champions 
staff. That's just the way that it goes. I'm not a huge fan of allowing these guys to interview during the playoffs. It's a selfish thing for me as a fan. Obviously, that takes the complete opportunity away from the interviewee um, who wouldn't be able under my rules, wouldn't be able to interview because their team is in the playoffs, but they would just, they would, then they would miss the whole opportunity because teams want to hire their guy. They want to get their guy in place before the draft. And this is the time that teams that aren't making the playoffs really don't care about the playoffs. They're, they care about 2022 and they've got to get their regime in place and get everybody hired and strike while the iron's hot and all that other kind of stuff too. So some shakeups around the league too. I know Brian Flores, maybe Dolphins head coach was let go as well. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. There's some talk that we don't know what's going to happen with John Schneider, Pete Carroll, and Seattle. So more, more to be said. More openings, more jobs, more movement. A lot, a lot of things will change between now and the beginning of 2022. But ultimately, it's because the Packers are an absolutely great organization. It is very exciting that they're getting guys back at practice, that they're getting guys healthy, that everybody who's not doesn't have a season-ending injury was able to at least get back to practice. We don't know if Zadarius Smith is actually going to be active for the divisional round game, but he's got a chance. It would seem that Jair Alexander is trending towards being available for the divisional round game. It would seem that Billy Turner has got a chance to play in the divisional round game. All of those things. Packers absolutely need and want all those things to be true, and having this extra week off absolutely helps too. you got a healthy team sitting at home, and there was a really good conversation around the wild card round. And these are going to be some tough games. I know that the Tampa Buccaneer, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to host the Eagles. And that's at home. And the Eagles really have no business competing with the Bucs. The Bucs should mop the floor with the Eagles. But the interesting thing there is that the weather is not supposed to be great. And it could be windy. And if it's windy, that means you can't throw it as much. So that game could get a little bit squirrely, although it probably won't. I just, you know, Tom Brady's teams, even in New England, didn't really lose early in the playoffs very much. It happened, not very much, not very often, but it did. But if you think about some of the the, the 49ers and Dallas game, I, th- I just think that game's going to be extremely physical. So if either of those teams has to come play Green Bay, they're going to have got, gone through a really physical game in the wildcard round and then have to go face a rested team and travel to go play. In that game, if it ends up being the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals and Rams, they're going to play a physical game in Los Angeles. Absolutely a physical game. And whoever comes into into Green Bay for that one is going to be beat up. Absolutely beat up as well. And tired and bumps and bruises, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really liking the way that this thing sets up for the Packers. That Getting that one seed was huge. Just so, so huge. And I like the way things are trending. The team seems focused. They're practicing instead of getting away from football. I understand the, the, the good that can come from getting away from the game. But the Packers don't want to. They want to stay focused. They want to stay sharp. They want to keep working. And if they've got guys that haven't played football in a while, they want them on the field and at least going through some of these reps and, and having football on their mind and trying to get at least get a little bit of that game speed. Nothing, nothing simulates game speed like being in a game. And I think once you get in a playoff game, guys like Randall Cobb and Billy Turner, who have played in a couple weeks, they're going to notice pretty quickly, you know, that they need a little bit of time to adjust and get back into that mode of playing in the in an NFL game. But I think they'll be okay. They'll absolutely be okay. 
Packers are deep and they're they're ready to ready to go and ready to make a big playoff run here. And uh, talked about the offensive line, how important it is that depth. Yash Nyman is is battle tested. He's ready. If he has to come in, even in a playoff game, I trust him now. If you would have not, if he would have not played all season and you had to put him in in a playoff game, absolutely very concerned, but not so much anymore. Royce Newman. Going to make mistakes every now and then, but you could do a lot worse than a rookie who had to play in every regular season game and start every regular season game this season and and didn't do bad enough that his team lost a bunch of games because of his mistakes. So he's out, he's ready. And you're just all you're all you're gonna be able, all you're gonna need to do now is just move Lucas Patrick over to guard. He's got plenty of experience. You got Josh Myers at center. You got your best lineman on the field. John running to left guard, the mauler. Just great, great things. And that's a perfect segue and transition to my conversation with Mike Wall. I hope everybody enjoys it. So this is going to be a bit of a longer show because it was a great conversation with Mike and we went long. Talked about process to perform, his organization that he's very dedicated to, and it's a great thing that he's doing, helping develop young athletes and get them ready for the next step, whether it's high school football, college football, life, pros, whatever it be. Just a, a great skill set to have, a great organization, a great concept. Love what he's doing there. And of course, it wouldn't be a conversation with a former Green Bay Packer if we didn't talk about the Green Bay Packers. And Mike had plenty of thoughts about this year's Green Bay Packers and the offensive line and how things just seem to be cracking out a little bit differently this year than they have in years past. Without any further ado, enjoy. This is former Green Bay Packers guard and Pro Bowl NFL guard, Mike Wall. Okay, and we are back with former Green Bay Packers, great offensive lineman, former Pro Bowler, Mike Wall. Mike, we've kind of met at the bookends of this season. So last time we chatted, it was just before the season started. And now the Packers are the number one seed and they're staring at a divisional game at Lambeau Field in a couple of weeks. We'll find out who it is that they're going to play. So obviously, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on. How, what did you think? of the 2021 NFL season. Well, thanks for having me again. Uh, it's been really fun to watch. I, I think overall, when you look at the season from a league standpoint, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of great action. Um, I've just been kind of over the moon about how the Packers have played. And then on the other side of it, when you look at the league, there's, you know, if there's some of the, some of the rule changes and everything, have, I think have, have gotten in the way of some really good football. We were just talking about it offline the pendulum swinging back and offensive line play, physical line play, kind of being stewards of the team. Like that mentality is coming back into play and you're seeing it with more teams. You're seeing it like the, with the Philadelphia Eagles, like planting the ball on the ground 40 times a game. Guys like me absolutely love the presence that like Mylotta and Lane Johnson are bringing to bringing back to the offensive line. Um, the Packers have just been, listen, Aaron Rodgers is the best thing I've, uh, he's the best player I've ever seen. You know, I, I used to say Barry Sanders is the best player I've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers, best player I've ever seen. The things he can do with the football, the way he improves this 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 uh, this team, both offensively and defensively. The things that the that the play callers are allowed to do schematically, the way that he gets them out of trouble, the way that he's been able to help this young, inexperienced offensive line, which has done has done an amazing job. And and Coach Adam Sedimich has done an amazing job through all of this, really getting those guys ready and the play cars hacking and for the way they've called play. I mean, it's been really masterful to see that part of it. And as an offensive lineman, you just got like a huge source of pride because young guys playing well is just an awesome display of really good coaching. 
But having said that, Aaron Rodgers is is partly responsible for all the success they and everybody else obviously on offense is having. Watching the emergence of 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 Kenny Clark this year of just being I know he was I think he's been a pro bowler before, but this year it was like, man, leave no doubt. Like mm-hmm. you are the best run playing defensive tackle in the game. You can do it, you know, you can do it with the with the pass too. The emergence of Rashawn Gary outside. Preston Smith had reemergence, was just a top like edge player, period. Can rush the passer unbelievable against the run um Devondre Campbell coming and just going from a guy that I studied in, when he was playing for the Falcons and now he's just a machine I mean the guy's an absolute unit out there man like I, I'm so happy for a guy who goes out there like one year and just makes commas by his play like I think that's awesome so congrats to him and all the success he's having and you just see some young guys with the defensive backs partly because of injury and situation but guy like Rasul Douglas comes in and just unbelievable force multiplier for our, our team Amos has another great year like I really love the way that dude plays um you think Kevin King starts off the season poorly and then kind of switches up roles a little bit but he really mm-hmm. comes in and becomes a short tackler really like the way Stokes progressed this year I mean there's like you come into the this point you're here now you made it and you you have uh you have a buy and then you get these guys back healthy get back to Yari back you get Myers back you might get Z Smith back and you're just thinking like, man, I feel good about everything that this team is right now. Like, are there some things you want to clean up maybe from like Savage's tackling, his tracking? Yeah, maybe a little bit, right? But you just feel good about all aspects, not outside of special teams. You feel good about everything here, and it's going to be fun to watch. So it sounds like Aaron Rodgers has your vote for MVP then. Is that what I'm Oh, hearing? my God, he's <laughs> so good. And like, and like Tom Brady's the GOAT, right? But Aaron Rodgers is so good i mean do you think that i mean let's call it what it is like devon a adams is you know probably top one or two receivers mm-hmm. in the league right um mbs is not a household name alan lazard who's like my favorite receiver now because of the things he does in the blocking game and like big plays like yesterday but there's 30 of those dudes out in the league man and you got aaron Rodgers. all of a sudden it's not that he makes them great it's that he compels them to put in the time, him and guys like Devon Adams. But he, uh, when you play with greatness, the, the standard that you now set for yourself changes. The preparation that you have versus you're over there playing with Justin Fields and the Bears, you're playing them with the Lions. and go, like Your prep changes, your expectations for yourself change. You become a better version of you because you see what greatness looks like. And that's like, that, that is an amazing effect that a guy like Aaron Rodgers has on an entire franchise. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he's he's transcendent in the in the game, and you know we're, we're looking at a first ballot Hall of Famer unless something very strange happens between now and whenever that time is is going to be. And so you said a couple of things there that are going to bring up some really good points of conversation. But before we get too far in, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about process to perform because it's a really cool concept, and I know that uh, there's a lot of things that that you do to kind of help guys that are getting ready to take that next step here. I wanted to also ask you too, I don't know how much of, a, of, of this plays into it, but there's been a lot of talk too in the last couple of years about athletes and mental health and just yeah. how you, you tackle some of those things and, and just get guys ready and, and mentally prepared for what's next for them. Well, I want to start with that actually. So I, I, uh, I'm an ambassador for the Hall of Fame behavioral health uh, platform and the I'm really glad that conversation has started because that's something that wasn't even, I think, possible when I was playing football 20 years ago. You, you were, you know, you were, it was too much of a machismo thing to even be able to talk 
or be able to consider or talk to somebody that you might need help, that you might need somebody to reach out to. Like the idea of performance psychology back in the day was ta almost taboo, right? Especially in the sport of football. We were just, it was just, didn't, didn't play with like our masculine overdrive nonsense. And you realize what a value add that whole business is now. And you realize how many people just need that someone to talk to. So Hall of Fame Behavioral Health, um, there's a bunch of ambassadors that are former players. The reason being, we know people, maybe some of the guys experiencing themselves, they need to be able to talk to somebody. So you can reach out to guys like me. You can reach out to maybe some people that you've seen on TV if you're familiar with. That's not just if you're a player, but if you're just anybody who's dealing with something, you can reach out and we can help you get the, the, the help that you need. We can put you in contact with, with resources that'll help you in that, that mental health um, journey that you're going on. With Process to Perform, you know, I, I'm, I'm just feel really thankful that I'm able to work with athletes still and be able to kind of give back some of the, the, the knowledge and experience that, that, that I've, I've gained through this time of, of, you know, being the Naval Academy player, playing in the NFL, playing high level rugby, going into business and all this stuff. It, it's just been a really fulfilling opportunity for me. And, and I work with athletes from pros down to preteens, really aspiring athletes that are trying to make it to the next level, whether it's, you know, varsity uh, high school, whether it's collegiate scholarships, whether it's going to going to the professionals, whether that's college, you know, or excuse me, basketball, football, soccer, rugby, lacrosse, any confrontational sport, there's a way to make you better working on these really these three dials, mindset development, technical mastery and, and ownership decisions, which are decisions in the best interest of future you. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun to be able to reach out and work with with kind of athletes all over the spectrum in these different sports, different age groups, boys and girls. And and I. I really have uh, enjoyed it. And that's, you know, part of that is obviously process to perform, which is a, a player development podcast that I do for parents, players, and coaches every week. Um, right now, we just were lucky enough to interview Bethany Maddox Sands, who's an Olympic double, a mixed doubles tennis champion, uh, nine time grand slam winner. And uh, coming out tomorrow, uh, Hall of uh, Ring of Honor, Seattle Seahawks legend, Jim Zorn was on the program talking about player development. One of the best quarterback gurus in the business. Absolute genius when it comes to developing quarterbacks from the ground up and uh, really interesting to talk to guys like that so you know my mission now is really just to be able to put a platform out there that helps guys that are really committed to their cause people that are you know aspiring athletes people that just want to get that next contract want to get to the next level want to be the best version of themselves whether it's in sports or any any competitive industry there's a there, there's a tool set that you need and, and if i can help people attain that people that are really committed to their cause like i said man it's it's, it's a very gratifying experience yeah, and that's becoming such a big thing now is is I think athletes are starting younger and sooner getting themselves prepped and mentally prepped. And it was always about the physical skills, the combine and all that kind of stuff there too. And as I've progressed and watched a lot of professional sports, what I've found is, is that the biggest, one of the biggest common threads between athletes that succeed and do well and those who don't is how much mental prep are they putting in? I know we talked offline about uh, and you, you mentioned it too, Aaron Rodgers elevating guys and making them want to prepare better. And that, that is film study and, and being mentally prepared, but also understanding what they're about to enter into when you go from high school to college and what's different there. And especially when you go from college to the pros, now you're making some money and there's all sorts of things that are going to come at you in life and athletes need to be prepared for that. So that's, that's an awesome thing that you're doing. I'm sure it's obviously very fulfilling. And, and so we'll make sure we get a chance to tweet out some information and on that and, and make sure if anybody wants to get in touch that they can. But one of the biggest reasons I had you on was so we could talk about some Packers football, because one of the biggest storylines of this season 
has been the offensive line and all of the things that the Green Bay Packers offensive line has dealt with. Now, we knew David Bakhtiari was going to start the season on PUP when we spoke last time, so no surprise. He did not play right away, but I think the hope and the expectation was that when that, that six weeks were up, that we would start to see more of David Bakhtiari. And they did get him back on the roster. He did come back to practice a little bit. Um, had a little bit of a setback there. He had a scope in his knee. And we didn't see him actually come back until this past weekend against the Detroit Lions. So that was over a year that he that he didn't play football. And Mike, I don't know if there was any periods throughout your career where you were out for that long. But everybody deals with bumps and bruises. So I guess mm-hmm. the, the low-hanging fruit question there is, is um, are we taking for granted how big of an accomplishment it was for this man to come back and play professional football and, and be out there after being out for the better part of 12 months? Well, the guy that was playing football, and you know, we never, you never want to minimize an injury because they all can be career-threatening. Um, you know, I, I, I ended my career busting my shoulder up. I never thought his shoulders would keep me out of football, but you just never know what's going to happen. So ACLs and, and reconstructed knees are different now than they were 20 years ago. It's certainly not a death sentence, um, but you have to really, I mean, my, my daughter went through one. You really have to put in some time. It has to, you know, it has to be the priority in your life to get better and get back to hundred percent. And when you're at the top, like, like, like big Bach was, and when the best, when you're the best in the business of what you do, and then you fall off the mountain because of an injury. It's like you almost get that reinvigorated hunger to be the best again. Like you have to go prove yourself again. And I'm sure with a guy who's a competitor like he is, you know, I don't think we should be surprised that he's back. And we, I don't think we should be surprised that he immediately comes in and looks like, you know, oh, he, oh thank, that's what that's supposed to look like again. Like that, you forget how good he was until you see him again. I don't, I don't think that should be any – any shock to fans out there that have followed his career at all, because he's been that way since day one. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And obviously he's a stalwart back there. Aaron Rodgers said after the game, he immediately felt more comfortable knowing that Bakhtiari was out there. But if you look at who filled in and we talked a little bit before we started, Yash Nyman, undrafted free agent, John Runyon juniors that cemented himself at left guard. He's a former sixth round draft pick and he's, he's in his second year in the league. Royce Newman at right guard who played, serviceably there Lucas Patrick filling in at center Billy Turner's missed some time so you've got Dennis Kelly over at right tackle which was a great pickup by uh, the Packers and getting some yeah some uh, security there because Rick Wagner did a good job last year but the Packers knew that they needed to fortify things a little bit I think we talked last time the NFC championship game last year one of the things that was a problem was the pass rush and any team that's going to go deep in the playoffs is there because they can rush the passer and the Packers are going to see that again but it seems like this year now Everything is gelling, and these guys are starting to, to, to come back. But if we, if we kind of start with, you know, I guess we can go from left to right. Well, let's talk about Yash because it's, it's really a, a huge feat. I mean, when he got inserted yeah. in, the, in the lineup against the 49ers, you got Nick Bosa lining up across from you right away. And I think a lot of Packers fans were just kind of crossing our fingers that, that Aaron Rodgers would – have any time to think throw anything and Yash played great in that game Packers ended up winning played really well made a really cool comment to Devontae afterwards said hey I really enjoy playing with you guys you can just tell mentally he's got a great head on his shoulders you know blank canvas you got an undrafted free agent what did you see from Yash that really impressed you this year outside of the fact that obviously he played well well let me just let me tell you about Yash by telling you about why Bakhtiari is so good 
So Dave Bakhtiari is probably the best in the league at the very basic details of the sport. He, he, his, his initial footwork, I know he's got kind of a weird stance and it's tough to mimic, but his hip hinge, his bend, his initial footwork, the way that he can, he can settle his feet underneath him, play under his pads and his, and his hands are probably some of the best in the business, not the best in the business and, you know, and those individual things. And then certainly collectively he is. And what I see from Yash is he's very strong, lower body. He has very good bend and he has the initial footwork that puts him in a position pre-confrontation to be successful. How you get to confrontation is going to dictate how that confrontation goes more often than not. Right. In other words, if I can just get in front of you under control, that's like 75% of the battle. And he has the ability to do that. Can he, you know, can he get stronger? Yes. Can he improve with his hands? Of course. But for a guy at his age, where he was picked up, how quickly he's progressed, it's just, again, a real testament. Look, coaching doesn't necessarily matter at every position. Offensive line, if you have a good coach, that is, I, I mean, to me, it's like the second or third most important hire you can have for a franchise. Because it's one of those positions, if you have a really good one, and they have a good one, Sinovich, you can develop guys, sixth rounders, free agents. And if they just kind of have that physical ability to ride the ride, like you do at the amusement park, you know, you got to be this tall to ride the ride. If they have that, then you can, you can kind of make them capable players, especially when you've got the guy in the backfield that we have. Dante Skarnecchia with the New England mm. Patriots, Adam Stenovich with the Green Bay Packers are a perfect example, I think, of what you're talking about. Because absolutely yeah. on, on the other 30 teams in the league, if anybody can name half of the offensive line coaches, then they probably play in the league. Because if if yeah. you don't, then you probably don't you don't know those coaches names. So a great, great testament to them, too. And there's been some early conversations that if Nathaniel Hackett does get an opportunity to go somewhere else and be a head coach, Adam Stenovich may potentially promote within Matt LaFleur's staff. And I think he's certainly earned that that right as a as a contributor the offensive line and to the offense as well so we move into the guard positions so you've got John Runyon Jr. and Royce Newman Runyon's second year guy Royce Newman is a rookie we talked a little bit beforehand about each of those two now Runyon seems like I said has cemented himself in at left guard so he's the guy throughout the throughout the postseason obviously got a great bloodline with his father John Runyon who played with the Eagles uh, was an all-pro for Philadelphia, Royce Newman had obviously some struggles through this this season, but really I think played admirably, and the Packers still won a lot of games with him at right guard, and they got production in the run game. A.J. Dillon had a good season, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers kept upright pretty pretty well. So I guess we'll start with Runyon and, and Newman and both of them there and their their progression from, from this season on and, and maybe how Runyon became the guy at left guard when Josh Myers came back and, and it was like, okay, what do we do with Lucas Patrick? What do we do with Royce Newman at this point? Um, with him cementing himself in as that starter at left guard. Yeah. He's a no brainer because he played, he brings a physical presence that, that they need on that line. Um, he would be, if, if they have an enforcer, he would be the enforcer. It was the way that he, he brings the, the demeanor he brings to the game. Look, the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers, um, they get a lot of six man boxes because of who they have in the backfield, the weapons they have outside. Uh, they have the best blocking tight end in, in football in Mercedes Lewis. If they want to bring him in and they want to bring seven or eight in the box, like we can handle defensive ends with our, with our tight end, which is which is worth its weight in gold and very, very underutilized by most teams in the NFL. But 
we're not, it's not like we're going out there and just mauling guys on one, one-on-one blocks. We do, an, if you want to see an incredibly well-coached team, you look for two things. Can they double team well, which our guys double team extremely well. Like we get movement off the line of scrimmage with our double teams. And can you pass off games? And we do that extremely well. So again, they're very, very well coached. John Runyon can work on his leverage a little bit, but footwork, demeanor, finishing, and being able to get off on those double teams and move humans, he has done a great job at that. He tries to he tries to, to knock people off the off the spot when they're when they're singled up against the center or the tackle. He's a help guy. You just love the way the demeanor he plays with. Every team needs one of those. We look at Royce on the other hand. Royce is a young guy, comes from Old Miss. Very, very well coached Ole Miss, NFL ready kind of coming in. A lot of people think, well, depending on where you're drafted, maybe he's not ready. Dude, the guy was coached extremely well in the SEC. Like, he can play football. And does he need to get stronger? Does he need to fall off from his body in a couple of years? Absolutely. He's going to look different in three, four years now than he does uh, in his current status today. You know, the thing with a guy like Royce Newman, he's not necessarily as physical. And so he's, and he's, and maybe his footwork might be slightly better. But if you're not playing with that body angle, you're not playing with that, that that kind of determination to push you over a pile at guard. Like it's tough to play. Uh, it's tough to play a non-physical street fight game at guard. Like it's it's tough to be just a very very crisp, clean technician at guard. You got to have a little bit. of I'm going to knock you flat on your back, and. Uh, that comes with confidence, that comes with strength, that comes with that, te- that technical mastery. And so he's done an admirable job, like you said, a, a phenomenal job, really considering he's a rookie coming in here and playing at the level he did. But as they go forward, you're probably going to move Patrick over like they did this last game for the same reason that John Runyon Jr. is in, in the line. Patrick might not be the physical specimen that some of these other guys are. He is lacking and gets beat a lot on one-on-one blocks because he doesn't have the feet, doesn't be able, he's, not able to, he's not able to play under his pads maybe some, as well as some of the other guys, but he brings a demeanor of finishing downfield, finishing guys over a pile, finishing through the whistle that you just need in the playoffs. You need those guys. When Vina Bay and Adam Kinsu come in here again, you want guys that want to fight because cool. we lost that game in the championship last year because David Bakhtiari got hurt. We can talk about all the other reasons we lost, but when he got hurt, all of a sudden we got shut down in the middle. JPP goes off for a couple sacks. The game changes. The play calls change. Aaron Rodgers changes in the pocket. Things change. So having all of these guys playing at the level they're at right now, you got to feel really good about our chances. There were a couple throws Rodgers missed, and you have to wonder if that wasn't maybe part of it. And I'm not remembering exactly what, what point they were. I know he had MVS deep and he missed him on one in that game and, and maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it's just a little bit of that pressure. I mean, Roger said to himself too, I felt comfortable with Bakhtiari, you know, so you're obviously maybe, maybe that gives you that extra half second in the pocket, that confidence to make, make that throw. So expand a little bit more about the playoffs and how things ratchet up and change, because that's been my platform since mid season when we knew this team was going to go to the playoffs. And it was like, okay, listen, as a, as a very spoiled Packers fan, I've seen this team do a lot of really good things and win a lot of games and go to a lot of playoffs. We want them to progress here. Let's get over this NFC championship bugaboo here. So what yeah. is it? What is it that, that makes a coach say, Hey, listen, Royce, appreciate you. You've done everything you can to get us here. You, you're the, you know, you're the horse that we rode on to, to get here, but we're going to ride with Lucas Patrick in the postseason because obviously things are different. Teams scheming up. It's one and done. So teams are scheming up all sorts of things to try and win. What are you seeing up front? And you, you experience this yourself when, 
when you've got a defense that's got to try to to beat an all-pro quarterback and get to your guy in January versus what you saw for the three months leading up to that? Well, I mean, I, I think the easiest way to say it, you're not putting anybody down, is that Patrick's better than Royce Newman. It's really, I mean, it really is just that easy. He plays, he plays with better leverage. You think about the guys that they're going to play against. Um, you know, of, of, from, a, from a liability standpoint, you'd say that Royce is probably a liability in the passing game, and Patrick's been a little bit of a liability in the run game, right? If you're just going to single out one person unfairly in this, you know, this situation that we're doing right now. And so I, I, would, I would say that given the help he's going to get on both sides as a right guard, Patrick's going to be better off in the run game. You're going to be able to stalemate a lot of these guys, which we'll call a win with all these double teams you're getting. And in the passing game, just being able to pass off those things, he's played right guard before. He's had success there. I think he started right guard last year, right, for a majority of the season. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's comfortable there. He's an older player. He has playoff experience. And you just kind of – sometimes you just – look, We I remember very specifically there was a huge debate uh, my last year in Green Bay – between playing rookie Scott Wells in the playoffs or playing Gray Rugerer. And it wasn't a question if Scott Wells was the better player or he was projected to be the better player over time. He was going to be an all pro. We could tell already because he was like, a, you know, a four-year wrestling stud. But Gray had been to the playoffs. Gray had played in the playoffs. Gray had success. He had that demeanor. He was, he was kind of game for it. And so ultimately you, you kind of start basing your decisions on What's going to help us today? We're not trying to develop Royce Newman in the playoffs for next year. Like, we're trying to win. You're trying to go for that chip, then you put the best player in that you can. Yeah, for sure. And the Packers, and you have to trust, obviously, a, a head coach that's brought this team this far, three seasons in a row, won 13 games, three seasons in a row. As crazy as it sounds, uh, the teams just before you, that went to two Super Bowls in a row, didn't get two NFC Championship games at home. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, unfortunately, your teams didn't get any uh, in, in Green Bay as good as they were. And so, yeah, it's, it's you, you know, and the Packers with this all-in, you know, magical carpet ride that they're on, last dance, whatever you want to call it, obviously need to make smart decisions about their, about their personnel. So one of the questions that I got as soon as I kind of announced that you were coming on the show was, yeah, it's great you're getting guys back, right? Billy Turner's going to come back, and David Bakhtiari is back, and you're shuffling the offensive line around. So as a guy who's, who's, been, who's maybe been out there or, you know, think about John Runyon Jr., and we talked a little bit about this before too, suddenly you're playing against somebody who's next to you who, who hasn't played before, and, and I already kind of know where you're going with this because we've talked about it, but uh, that was one of the questions was, is it detrimental in any way that you're all of a sudden next to somebody who may be a great player, but you haven't really played next to that guy? For a while, maybe in some situations, but I, I, you know, we were specifically talking about John Runyon Jr. having to play with David Bakhtiari, and I told you David Bakhtiari is a force multiplier for this offense because he's that good and he's that much better than the next available option. I don't care if that option is Elton Jagans. I don't care if it's Josh, you know, Josh. Um, he is a force multiplier for this team because he makes every single player on that offense more confident, starting with the quarterback. John Runyon Jr. is more confident. He'll be able, it'll be better passing off games. They'll be better in double teams. They'll be better at communication, right? The, it, you just, it's like, it's like walking in and all of a sudden, you know, you had like the security dog and I'm, I don't want to minimize any work that anybody else has done, but it's, you have a, you have a, a German shepherd for a security dog, right? And then I pull the German shepherd out and I go get a cane Corso that's 200 pounds with the cropped ears and looking like a devil dog. It's like, I feel better all of a sudden. I feel a little bit more comfortable, right? And that's what that's what David Bakhtiari is. He's just that 
200 pound Kane Corso that you're going, I really don't want to mess with this guy. And that resonates with, with every single guy, Mercedes Lewis, Iguara, John Rennie Jr., Myers, all the way down the line, because you have that presence, that confidence, that calming effect. Everything's going to be okay. Big man's back. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And having having that security and and there is a lot to be said. As fans, we see that and we we think you know it, it's it's great. But it's always I'm always curious about the mechanics and the inner workings there too. You you've used the term force multiplier, so give us a quick rundown of what exactly that that means and when when you're saying that, what does that translate to on the field? That means that the on field performance that that guy has, in other words, the amount of times, let's say that uh, he grades out at a 99 percent, right? So he does that better. So let's say Josh was grading out at an 85%. David comes in, he grades out at 95%. There's that part of the game that he improves. He's directly better on field. His on field performance is better. But what he does for the confidence of the rest of the people around him, what he does for the demeanor of a John Runyon Jr., for the demeanor of a Dewara, from the demeanor of a Mercedes Lewis, knowing that you're playing next to greatness, who's confident, who can make all the calls, that can make all the blocks, that can make up for your mistakes. That's what I mean by force multiplier. He has a larger outsized effect on everybody else involved than just his direct performance against that defensive end. Got it. Okay. A.J. Dillon made a big jump from year one to year two. Obviously, got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line because I'm talking to an offensive lineman right now, so I got to do the right thing here. And the offensive line does absolutely deserve – some of the credit there, but in looking at his progression, he's gotten a lot more carries this year. We don't necessarily have to talk about the progression from year one to year two, because he had so many more opportunities this season, but he's just a force up there. And this is what you want in the freezing cold at Lambeau. You want defenders that don't want anything to do with tackling that guy. But as far as what he's been able to accomplish with the offensive line up front, because like we said, we've had some young guys up front, how how impressive has it, I mean, is, is it more impressive than we're maybe giving him, him credit for? In year two, a big back behind an offensive line that, again, didn't have a ton of experience coming in and was missing a couple of their preferred starters. He's played excellent. You really saw, I think maybe after week two or three, he started running behind his pads more, right? Body lean was a little bit better, started running through some more tackles. Started, I think he started appreciating that part of his game. A lot of times when you get a large back, they start their careers thinking, I'm going to be kind of a scat back. Like, I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to jump around, I'm going to play tall, I'm going to make more cuts than I need to. And very quickly, early on in the season, he decided, no, nope, I'm going to make that one cut and go downhill. I'm pretty good at that. I can run through these things. I'm going to enjoy that part of the game. I'm going to enjoy being that guy. And when you have an Aaron Jones, and then now you have an A.J. Dillon, it, like, I guess from a career standpoint, it's almost unfortunate for both of them because to me, they were both pro bowl caliber backs that are kind of cannibalizing their own stats because they're both, they just both played at such a high level. You can't leave either one of them out. Right. But for a guy like AJ Dillon, you think about 250 pounds, the big thighs, the whole deal. And you're coming downhill. It's the third, it's the third quarter on an eight degree day on Sunday afternoon in green Bay in January. You go, man, I really like our chances to get that first down. I really like our chances to extend the sticks and extend that, extend that drive. Really love the way he's played. I love that he can make plays out of the backfield. And and honestly, he just seems like a Green Bay guy. He just seems like the kind of guy that you want on your team, you want in your locker room. Seems like he has a great demeanor about himself. And and he just goes about his business, works hard, has fun on it. You can see him popping up on social media, different places, and trying to like embrace the, the community. So 
Um, I love what he's done on the field. Uh, and again, like I'm such a huge Aaron Jones fan that I don't like want to not talk about him, but I really think both those guys have played at a level that if they were on other teams and just kind of the main guy, either one of them could have gone to the Pro Bowl. Like I think they're that caliber player. So if we look ahead to the playoffs here on the offensive side of the ball, based on what you've seen this year versus last year, how much more prepared or better of a chance do you think this year's chant, this year's team has to get over that hump, win that final game? Obviously they've got to get past the divisional round or are they not as good as last year? Well, I think as you look at them as an entire team, they're better because I think, even though I think the defense has slipped up in recent weeks here, but you know, the defense can kind of take this week, this bye week and get back to the basic fundamentals of, of playing defensive football, tackling, tracking, getting off blocks, et cetera. Like, I think we can get back to that level. And now you're a better team because your defense is better. Um, Offensively, I really feel good about, like, if you just look at the offense, you go, what do you feel bad about? Nothing. I feel good about everything. You know, I I think, you know, I was making jokes two weeks ago that, you know, they're they're being nice to DeGuar and giving him a a tight end screen because he's going to gain five yards. But it's like, it's just another thing the, the other team has to, you know, game plan for. Then he goes and busts out like a 74 yard run. It makes me look like, you know, like I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I didn't know he had that kind of speed, right? But you have guys across the board that can just play. MBS can play. Lazard can play. Lazard's like an unsung hero on this team for all the work he does in the run game. And he's making big plays in the passing game. Devon Adams might be the best receiver in the NFL. You have the best player in the NFL in the backfield. You have two Pro Bowl backs. You have the best left tackle coming back. You have a rookie who's going to be an all pro one day. Billy Turner has played. Billy Turner is another unsung hero of this team, a guy I just love. Some, some people give him, you know, give him grief. Like, to me, he's one of the one of the most most valuable assets on that team, and he makes everybody around him better. And so I, I'm just I look at it like, man, you where are you gonna where are you gonna stop? They, you know, with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, pre-snap, being able to identify what you're gonna do. Unless we get into that, hey, we're just gonna be smarter than everybody else and play scat drop back five-step drop and you know just come and get us like unless we do that again like kind of what we did against tampa last year it's hard to say that anybody's going to stop this offense yeah the offense looks great and i i i think about as you were given that 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 answer and some of the things that go on up front there and you've got a raucous environment in the playoffs when you get a QB up there doing a hard count, is is it just because you practice so much with these guys that it's it's easier not to jump? I mean, I just e- even though you know the snap count, you know what the keys are. I'm just surprised that we don't see guys jump more on those hard counts. And there's nobody better in the business than Aaron Rodgers. It's just surprising he doesn't even he doesn't even get his own guys uh, on that. So what what's the key to to staying disciplined, or is it really just legitimately that just be disciplined and and a matter of muscle memory and stay on sides. Yeah, so there's, I think there's two things. One is you have to be disciplined. And two, sometimes they won't even call a play. Sometimes they'll just go up there and, and, and hard count. Then he'll, he'll have a one-word play, and then they'll go off and go. Um, they do that with a lot of teams now. So they just want, if they want to trap you, it's like you can't jump off sides if you don't know where you're going, right? So <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier. But really, it's just reps, discipline. And obviously, when you have a guy, you know, it's just like when, um, when Aaron's trying to get that 12th guy on the field for the penalty, right? They just have – they have hot keys where he'll, he'll yell something and one word, a one word, uh, excuse me, one word means something very specific as it pertains to a play. And they're going to go on first sound. Like they, they just have these things built into their offense. That's how sophisticated they are. And that, yeah, I think that's becoming a trend in the league, but nobody does it better than 12. 
So you talked a little bit about how things are, the pendulum is starting to swing back again. And so for those old school football fans that love the proverbial cloud of dust in one yard, uh, talk a little bit about that. We, we, the Packers just faced the Cleveland Browns. They've got some of the best offensive linemen in the league. They've got Nick Chubb. He's a fantastic running back. So is this, and, and, and it's coaches are, you know, they're getting younger so is this just the cyclical nature of everything we see in life where things come back around? What's your take on why things are getting more physical and the trenches are become more, becoming more of a point of emphasis? So I just wrote, um, I write blogs sometimes, kind of a, like thought experiment. So if anybody wants to you know, read an article on this, I just wrote it on processdubeform.com. It's on, a, it's on our blog section. But I think that there was kind of the way that we, we all thought about the 60s Packers, 70s Steelers, you know, you, you, you the, the Niners, the Cowboys, and all these teams that could run the football, us, the Chiefs in the 2000s that were just a dominant offensive line physically when they had Willie Rofe, they had Brian Waters and all these guys, right? And and then fantasy football took over, right? And we started talking about offensive stats and became more important. And so what had happened with fantasy football and all the betting? Well, the league decided that it was more worth it to start protecting the offensive players and the passing game went up and because of the spread offenses and we started pulling from college and high school, like the demeanor of the average offensive line changed because it was a lot of quick passes. Like I remember when Andy Reed stopped running the ball altogether. He was like, well, a quick slant, it's like a, like a three yard, four yard, you know, run play. I'll just want to do that. It's a long handoff. Right. You remember when he did that back in the two thousands, he kind of started the trend. And so the demeanor of these lines changed. And there's two things that I think happened very recently that it's just kind of, rejuvenated the uh, the focus on physical offensive linemen first thing that you know john madden god rest his soul he was an offensive line guy right and so when he was on tv like you're gonna hear about larry allen and nate newton and all those guys there wasn't really a guy when he retired that was just going to talk offensive line play and celebrate it like he did so that's part of it. it's like public perception goes a long ways but the last couple of years two things that have happened that are really important the first one is you talked about the cleveland browns offensive line the Cleveland Browns offensive line uh, is coached by Bill Callahan, and they brought in a technical expert, Scott Peters, a good friend of mine, played with me in, in, in Carolina. And they are uh, – they have four all-pros across the line. And then they have a first-round draft pick out of Alabama, you know, two years ago, first-round draft pick out of Alabama. He'll probably be an all-pro as well. But they are just absolutely loaded. And it's not like they were all, you know, first pick in the draft guys. They are just master technicians. And, you know, there's a, there's a thing the offensive linemen just like to talk about old school guys. Like we like to, we like to work hard, kick ass and have fun. Right. And those guys love that. And they are all about that life. And so they are the best in the business at the basic tenets of the sport. They've got super high football intelligence and you can see they were the, they're, I don't know what like PFF and all this stuff is, but for my money, they're the best running and block pass blocking team, at least in 2020, they were the best team I had seen in years. And so the dynamic changes because you don't have an all-pro quarterback. You don't really have guys around you. Nick Chubb wasn't a household name at that point. And they're just running rampant over everybody because they are so good. That happens. And then the other thing that happened was Quentin Nelson got drafted six by, in, you know, six, six pick in the draft. And everyone's going, is this guard worth a six pick in the draft? And if you look at that draft, now the guy after him, was, was uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback, right? Aside from that, you can't look at anybody in that top 10 and go, they had anywhere near the impact on their team and on the sport as Quentin Nelson has because 
the, the spotlight shone on that guy and he delivered every single time physically dominant master technician loves to play loves to be, put people on the ground and the game has changed because the geometry of the game has changed back in the day you used to form this cup around the quarterback right they take the hike under center they drop back for their five step it'd be about seven yards deep on their back heel and then the cups kind of collapsing around you right so the the defensive ends had the best chance to get the quarterback the tackles were the most important position because for two reasons. One, they had to face a guy every play, whereas the centers and guards basically had two on three. So you got about, you know, a third of the, or two thirds of the reps against a, against a one-on-one. And then the tackles were kind of in this position where they could get bowled back in or they could get run around. Well, now when Aaron Rodgers drops on a five step, for example, his foot hits 11 or 12 yards. So the cup is more like a little smile face where everybody's just kind of giving ground. You watch Bakhtiari, he has a great set, and then he just kind of starts settling backwards like this. He's not turning, he's not doing anything, he's just kind of settling backwards, right? And so the depth of the pocket has become really important. And so now you have guys that can keep that depth for that step up, and they can move humans like a guy like Quentin Nelson can. We start celebrating it again. So you know, for those, there, there's other reasons, but for those two reasons, I look at it and go, man, we're kind of headed back the right direction. You know, I love it. Yeah. And it's, it, again, it's that, it's that old school run to run the football and it just creates a little more of a, of a dynamic there. Uh, how do you stop it? What do defenses do? Open up that play action. You know, that's just something I don't, you know, I really didn't get to, to see as much of it with, with Rogers. I'll tell you, um, I think I'm a, probably a bit of a prisoner of the moment because I'm talking to a guy who played with, with Brett Favre, but I don't know very many other quarterbacks who, who play fake better than, than, than Favre did. I mean, there were times where, where he literally sold it so well that the camera was faked out and, uh, and getting back to that kind of, of thing. And you can only really do that if you're running the ball well, right. And you're, you're winning up front. So that's, that's awesome. So any final thoughts before we let you go, Mike, on the 2021 Packers, prospects in the playoffs I didn't really ask you much about the defense because come on it's way more fun to talk about the offensive line right so but any final thoughts for our our fans on on what you see and and what you think I mean obviously this team's a Super Bowl favorite in Vegas but the game is played on the field not in the casino yeah I think you know matchups make football games for sure and um you know when I when I look at the field you can never discount Tom Brady, although the AB thing, the Chris Godwin being out and everything, it, it just, you, you know, you don't know how healthy they're going to be with Fournette in the back. Not Is he going to be there? Is he going to be full speed? There's a lot of things that factor into that, but you can never count him out. He's, he's the greatest of all time. And then, I mean, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but the Niners are good. Like the Niners are, and the Niners travel because they can run the ball. That Debo Samuel can do everything. He's like, he's like Steve Smith. He reminds me of Steve Smith. I played with Steve in Carolina. Debo Samuel to me is like season mid, but just give me the ball and get out of the way. I can do it anywhere you want to do it. I can do it. And uh, they've got great offensive linemen. They've got good players on the defensive line that can, that can kind of match up one-on-one and, and win some of those matchups and put some pressure on. They've got fast linebackers. And so that's one of those teams where you just kind of start looking and going, all right, if we look down the road, that's going to be a good game to watch for sure. But uh, again, I, the only thing that, that the last four weeks shows you is that we probably have to brush up on our tracking and our tackling defensively. we got to shore up some things over there. They haven't been as crisp maybe in the run game on defense as they have in the last – maybe in the, in the middle of the season. But 
and the, and the special teams has been a, a bloody disaster, but that's probably a whole podcast worth of conversations. But I would say just looking at offense and defense, this is a very, very complete football team. They look like they've got the skis pointed downhill, heading in the right direction. They're playing for each other. They seem to be saying all the right things. You got to like the way that LaFleur has allowed the leaders of this team to be leaders and lead. Um, that's something as a head coach that you really have to appreciate. You know, he's not like Bill Parcells who has to be, I'm the guy, I'm the only guy, I'm the guy that you're going to talk about before you talk about the other guy, right? Matt LaFleur is, oh, he does his job. He's a leader, but he also understands like this is the best teams in the world are player led teams and he's letting his players lead. And I think it's going to pay dividends. Yeah. The Packers look like they're a well-oiled machine at the right time. And it's another chance, another crack at the apple, another bite at the apple, as they say. So he is Mike wall, former green Bay Packers and pro bowl NFL guard. Mike remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter. If they're not already following you, like they should be. Yeah, check me out at MikeWall68, W-A-H-L-E, MikeWall68 on Twitter and the process to perform on Instagram. Fantastic. Mike, thanks so much for some time. Obviously, it goes without saying we'd love to have you back on again, hopefully to maybe talk about what ended in hopefully a Super Bowl season for the Green Bay Packers. Really appreciate some time. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed another conversation with Mike Wall there. Just some fantastic insights into the Green Bay Packers football life, technique, all those kinds of things, just really geeking out. And I think if you want to learn how to watch football, which is something I always try to get better at, the offensive linemen are the best resources because everybody watches the ball, everybody watches the skilled players, but you ask an offensive lineman what they're looking at, what they're watching, and I just feel like you just get such great insight and learn so much more about how to watch the game, how to be a fan of the game. And I don't know how you can be how you can't be pumped up after listening to what Mike had to say about this year's Packers. Obviously, he's a little bit biased. He loves the team and the organization, but he was fair in his analysis. And I, I think he's right. The Packers look pretty damn good this year. And he would he would know. He was absolutely part of some really, really good Packers teams. I'll never forget that 2003 team that went on a, a magical carpet ride that unfortunately ended way too soon the way that it did. But he was part of, I think, the greatest offensive line that I've witnessed in my time as a fan. And obviously, I didn't have a chance to watch any of the... I missed most of the 80s. I missed all the 70s and the, the Lombardi-era Green Bay Packers. But So I, I have a limited window into it. But I think their offensive line was great, and it, and it was a great conversation with him. Thanks, everybody, so much for bearing with a longer show today. But hopefully you enjoyed the content. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy wild card round. The, the stress-free life of watching all these teams kick the hell out of each other. And we'll figure out which one's coming to Green Bay to face the Green Bay Packers with just two games standing between them and the Super Bowl in one month. One month from today. Again, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Perrone. You can follow Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. As always, everybody, winter is very much upon us. So stay, stay safe out there on those roads. Stay warm. Enjoy a stress-free weekend. Even though there's no Packers football, it is still very much and always Go Pack Go! Rodgers fakes the handoff. Quick throw right side. There's Devontae from right to left. Cutting left to the 50, to the 45-40. Track down from behind.